It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, former England and Manchester City winger Trevor Sinclair and TalkSport's Alex Crook as Chelsea make history. Second contact, Morris! Oh! It's whistled over the bar by inches and that surely is Manchester City's last opportunity. Chelsea have defied the odds and the predictions. They've defied the Premier League table. They've defied Pep Guardiola. They have won the Champions League. An in-depth look as to how both teams approached the biggest game in world club football and where it leaves next season's title race. Also, Brentford are buzzing. The managerial merry-go-round begins and Kevin De Bruyne doesn't like it in the heat. All on the ultimate review of the weekend's footballing action. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Hello and welcome back to the Game Day podcast uh, from TalkSport. I think we were off, uh, what, how long? About six days in the end. Um, it's the first of several uh, specials that we'll be doing over uh, the course of the summer, uh, including a whole accompaniment to the European Championships, which is coming your way uh, very shortly indeed. Uh, but our first job is to reflect on the Champions League final uh, from uh, the weekend. Crook, hello. Hello. How are we? Let me start by congratulating Pep Guardiola on the quadruple. No, no, sorry, treble. No. Double, double. I, w- I was thinking, actually, Crook, I, I, I know this game day podcast from TalkSport is a reaction to Chelsea against Manchester City in the Champions League final. But I was thinking, instead of going with a sort of tried and tested model, why don't we select Jamie O'Hara instead of uh, the perfect fit, Trevor Sinclair? Maybe instead of you, who's done very well all year, why don't, why don't you produce the show and we stick Lucy into the mix? Or do you think that might just be overthinking it a little <laughs> Um, hi, Trevor. Good morning, Sam. How, how, are, how, you, how are you feeling? Um, a little bit hoarse from singing, um, but in general, pretty disappointed. I, think, I was being um, a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. I do apologise. Yeah, congratulations, uh, just Chelsea. Commiserations, Manchester. Yeah, well done. Congratulations on Chelsea. Um, they were, they, they, they will win a Champions League, Manchester City, no doubt about it. It was just not their night last night. So let's work out why and how. Chelsea are champions of Europe. We'll talk about Chelsea in detail in just a second. But first of all, let's look back on Manchester City's performance. Yeah. 
slipped on by Sterling and here's De Bruyne and it's Phil Foden, Foden inside the penalty area. What a challenge. He was Rudiger that made it, Chilwell chips it in, Conte coming around the back and he got his header in. Got between two Manchester City players but it was a difficult chance off balance and he steered it wide. Chelsea score first, then with their tactical mouse, with the way that they can defend and they like to defend, then it becomes an even more potentially fascinating evening. Now great through ball, Havertz got it round the goalkeeper, taps it in! Chelsea lead Manchester City in the 2021 Champions League Finals! Zinchenko through the legs of Rhys James to find De Bruyne, able to drive forward, who's that contact? Brilliantly timed challenge. I don't know whether he wants a game next year at West Ham, you know, but he's more <laughs> than welcome. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne is not going to be able to continue and that clearly is a, a monumental blow, notwithstanding the fact he's had a quiet night. Mm. It's a huge loss for City. He's leaving the field in pain but also in anguish. It's Phil Foden though making his way forward for Manchester City. It's Mahrez first time ball inside the area and that's brilliant defending from Azpilicueta. If he doesn't get to that Sterling taps it in. Conte now played forward again. An opportunity for Havertz to make his way forward. He's got two City players around. He's trying to thread it in. He's played in and why? What a chance for Pulisic. All about the first contact. Missed by everybody. Second contact. Mahrez! Oh! It's whistled wow. over the bar by inches and that surely is Manchester City's last opportunity. Chelsea have defied the odds and the predictions. They've defied the Premier League table. They've defied Pep Guardiola. They have won the Champions League. Look, Chelsea played terrifically. And, and we're going to get to them in just a bit. But let's do City first. You, you knew something was off from the team selection, I think, Trevor. Pep knows more about football than any of us. Uh, yeah. You stick our hands up and say, we, we, we understand that. And we're not stupid enough to, to think that we know better than him. But uh, why did he play Gundogan as the deepest nine midfield player and leave out two midfield anchors, Rodri and Fernandinho, who performed so well for him over the course of the season? I have no idea. I think um, both played very well this season. Um, whether together or whether individually selected and to play no holding midfielder. I think every fan out there, every Manchester City fan out there was bamboozled by that decision that Pep made. Now, we spoke about Pep in the past and he has been one of them managers where he's overthought things in the biggest of games. But I thought that was something of the past. I thought he's not done that a lot this season. He's been pretty straight with his selections and taking out of that formation, if you put, say, instead of Gundogan or Bernardo, either Fernandinho or Rodri, and it is exactly as you expected, Zinchenko playing left back, everywhere else on the pitch, you would say, yeah, I can understand that. He's played it before. It's tried and tested. This is not tried and tested. Well, it's not tried and tested. The City eleven had never played together before. Why do you think he has the tendency to over... Tinker, I mean, Monaco, Lyon, go back to the Munich days in the game against Real Madrid. Uh, Pep and the Champions League big ones. It's a narrative he's going to struggle to shake off. Yeah, and I, like I say, I thought he had shaken that kind of tinkle with the squad at the wrong time. I think you look at the games they've played this season, Olympiacos, um, they were without a holding midfielder and last night... And it just, it, it, it's, un, it's unbelievable to imagine that you're going to play without a holding midfielder against possibly the team with the best holding midfielder in the world 
in, in Gole Kante. And I think it was very evident early doors that the system wasn't working properly. Uh, the patterns of play, the passages of play that Manchester City usually uh, try and execute in game situations wasn't happening. And um, yeah, it just seemed like the shape didn't work for the players and they didn't really understand where they needed to be on the pitch at certain times. Crook, it was a frantic start to the game as well, wasn't it? It was almost like a basketball match. Yeah, although I have to say, I think Chelsea were in control from the start. We, we watched it together. You were saying to me in the second half, I don't feel nervous here, even when they were creating half chances. You were relaxed. I thought City were poor. I think he did overthink it. And I don't understand why, because it looked throughout the run to the final that he got that tinkering side out of his system. But I wonder if he had his moment again. Would he pick the same 11? I would, I would venture probably not. And not just the same 11. For me, it took too long to get Sergio Aguero on the pitch. He obviously brought on Gabriel Jesus first off. It, it, it's a problem. And, and again, it highlights why they're in the market for Harry Kane, why they need a, a world-class number nine. Because that, it seems churlish because they won the league by a country mile. But without a proper number nine, they can only go so far. And you say they will win the Champions League. I'm not convinced at the moment. And um, that no striker thing, was not a surprise. They've been doing it all season, this, this Force 9 approach to, yeah. to the games. But there was no focal point to the attack when they did get to the, to the byline and cut the ball back on those rare occasions that they did cause Chelsea a little bit of an issue. Uh, I, I was talking to Crook. There was a, a moment where I think Sterling went down the left-hand side, got to the byline, tried to centre the ball. And, and it, was, it was supposed to be a moment of panic. And even some of the people that, where we were were making a noise as if it was a big ooh and an ah. But as I said to Crook at the top, but there's no one there in the middle to put it away. So you can get to the byline and cut it back as much as you like, but there's nobody breaking into the box and getting into that area to trouble Chelsea. Yeah, and that doesn't just have to be the striker. You know, I know strikers have a... a it instinct. has been Gundogan, but because he was playing further back, yeah. he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, but even other players in, in the side, in forward positions, you know, it, it's, it's not as urgent for them to get into forward positions, to get into them goal-scoring situations. And with the game as erratic as it was early doors and... and um, and, and, and I think the intensity of the game was so high. I think that's the time where if you're not a natural goal scorer, you think, I'm just going to take a breather here, rather than having that instinct to say, I need to get into an area where I'm going to score like your Harry Kane's, like your uh, Aguero's do naturally. And even Jesus at times, he doesn't show enough urgency to get into them areas. He's great in different areas, great out of possession performances, but you want your strikers to score goals, you want them to get into positions where they're going to be a threat. And I thought Chelsea were far too comfortable all evening. Um, what does this do for Pep Guardiola? Because it is his holy grail. He does want to win it again. He wants to win it with Manchester City. It's been the focus of most of the season, even though he won't say that. I mean, I didn't get to hear what he said afterwards, to be honest with you. Mm. I, 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 how do you think it's going to affect him going forward, Crook? Well, I think the, the pressure intensifies every season. Every time they get close and miss out, every Leon every Chelsea now in the final, it, it, it just piles on the pressure and let's make no bones about it. The owners hire Pep Guardiola not to dominate the Premier League as they have done by and large. They brought him in to win the Champions League. They haven't done yet. They haven't done that yet. It's another year down the line. It's a huge missed opportunity. Um, and he'll lick his wounds, they'll go again. But I do wonder now, again, talking about Harry Kane, does it change his summer transfer plans, Trevor? Does it, does it make it more important now to go out and reinvest that they come up short on the grander stage? Possibly. I mean, let's, let's look at it. Zinchenko, he's been in, he's been out. I think he's had a very good season. Um, is he a Champions League winning 
left back, possibly not. I think he made a big mistake uh, for the goal. It was a fantastically uh, crafty goal by Chelsea, but it was a simple out to him run. I have a, he either didn't step up or didn't check track his runner. It's a funda- fundamental mistake by a defender. So for me, that shows that he's probably not a Champions League winning left back. So I think that's what, an area where they need to get into. But certainly striker. You know, you've got Jesus who doesn't score enough goals. Um, you've obviously got Aguero going out the door. I think they need that. But I think it's been quite damaging for Pep this final one. You know, the fact that he he did tinker again with the team with the starting lineup. I think that was damaging enough and a lot of fans, you know, I was at a, um, an event last night and uh, surrounded by Manchester City fans and they were shocked and a little bit concerned and not only that, um, kissing the runners-up badge. Listen, I know it's, a, it's still a, a, a good thing to have, but actually like warranting to kiss a runners-up badge when if you would have made the right calls, that game was definitely winnable. I think that's quite damaging to Pep Guardiola. It was interesting because normally, and it happened with Manchester United in the Europa League, normally if you lose a major final, you, you get presented with a medal and you, you take it off straight away. Yeah. Most of the City players kept their medals on. What does that tell us about the mentality of that, of that team? Well, I think, I think that comes from the top. Obviously, the, the manager doesn't want them disrespecting. The, listen, the amount of teams that start that tournament and the amount of teams that end up in the final, it is a big achievement to get, to get there. But I think the message from Pep saying it's a big achievement, because I was there, we was there, Sam, when they scored that first goal against Paris Saint-Germain and the euphoric feeling around that stadium at the Etihad on the day in the second leg was insane. And maybe getting to the final, they're looking at that as a massive achievement rather than, it's a listen, we're there, itself, let's go and man. win it. Yeah, and also I do think, and I mean, I think it'll be easy now to just sort of dismiss what happened last night and and almost sort of go, well, why has he kissed the, the runners-up badge and all this, the runners-up medal, et cetera, et cetera. But I think he's a clever guy and immediately I think his thoughts were, were, were probably drawn to how he was going to get his team up after this. And maybe his narrative will be, and I don't know, again, I, I haven't heard his inter- post-match interview, but I'm guessing he would say, because I've spoken to him a lot, I'm guessing he's going to go along the lines of, we've done brilliant all season to get to this point. We've done very, very well to get to a final like this. We've moved a step closer to doing what we want to do, blah, 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 blah. And that's what he will use uh, yeah. when he's talking to his players in the summer. You, you have mentioned Zinchenko at left back. I, I thought it, it was a an expected decision to play him there. Great if you want clever, patient build-up, but it felt like City were trying to rush Chelsea right from the off. And actually, would it not have been better to have João Cancelo in there, who is probably more suited to that style, if that's what you're going to do? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure, Sam. No. I thought it was the right call to play him. I just think it's an individual mistake. He switched off for a split second. Fantastic movement by Kai Havertz and uh, excellent finish, I have to say. Um, but I think, listen, it was, it was a good goal, but it was easily defendable. And uh, that's what Zinchenko was in the team to do on the transition. When they lose possession, make sure you narrow, narrow up, step up if you have to. And if you can't, make sure you track your runner. He didn't either. But going back to why the game was won and lost, listen, you look at the Chelsea players and there's, I would say, eight or nine of them are getting eight or nines out of ten. You look at the Manchester City side and forget about the injury that uh, Kevin De Bruyne took. He was having a, a terrible match. You know, he, he took a hefty blow, which was a foul. It was a bit dirty uh, by Rudiger. 
But that almost put him out of his misery for me. He, was, he wasn't involved in the game. He couldn't get a foothold in the game. And I've mentioned it before. When it's a hotter country or a hotter temperature, I think Kevin De Bruyne can struggle with his mobility around pitches. Mm, that is that is fascinating. Um, you mentioned then that you probably the, win the Euros now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it'll be in London, so it won't be yeah. that hot. <laughs> uh, you mentioned about the Chelsea players. So look, you know, I suppose we should look at them. I think it was a lot more about Chelsea, the collective, than about Tuchel getting in Pep's head or having his number. Chelsea worked incredibly hard. You mentioned it. There was eights, nines out of ten all over the pitch as a unit. They were absolutely committed and dedicated to fulfilling the tactical plan, which was central uh, to, to the fact that they've been crowned champions of Europe for a second time. And all of that, Crook, just four months after taking over. Ninth in the table when he took over. Doubts then that they would even qualify for the Champions League next season, let alone win it this season. Obviously reached the FA Cup final. It has turned out to be an inspired appointment, as most of them are from Roman Abramovich. Let's face it, he has a, a reputation for being ruthless, for being trigger happy. But most of the decisions that he has made over the last decade or so have paid off. And you're right, it was an outstanding team performance. Two outstanding individuals for me. Rhys James, who had Sterling in his pocket all night. And Angolo Conte in midfield, which was the key area, wasn't it? We talked about Manchester City's team selection and the lack of a, a proper holding midfielder. Angolo Conte in that position bossed the game and he proved again why for me he's the best number six in the world um, it, it's amazing that Chelsea have won this competition twice and in both seasons changed their manager midway through the campaign <laughs> he, he's made them harder to beat by dominating the ball usually not last night actually they had less no. possession in the game even though when they went to the Etihad they had more possession for most of, uh, of that game um, the great defending <laughs> limiting the opponent's attacks as they did do last night and nicking a goal as they did do last night. One is usually enough for them. It's not always been a foolproof plan when they haven't managed to get that goal or, or they have conceded. But in big games, it has worked and he has to be credited for that, Trevor. He does. Um, but he's, it, listen, it's, it's a simple plan. Um, it's a game plan with structure. The players are familiar with the formation. Round holes, round pegs. Everyone knew their job. And you mentioned... Um, Reese James there earlier. I thought Chilwell was outstanding as well. Yes, he was. But I think, obviously, it's, it's pretty uh, unanimous. The man of the match was Kante because he literally was on every blade of the grass and some of the tackles he made, interceptions, but not only that, in possession, he moved, he carried the ball well, little one-twos to get out of tight situations. His IQ is his top draw. You know, he's probably under undervalued as a, a forward player or a player in possession, but I mm-hmm. thought his in-play possession uh, performance last night was absolutely spectacular and you know what a humble young man you know he goes around his business he's won everything now you know the Champions League the World Cup um, the Premier League at different football clubs it, it just shows if you have him in your team you've got a good chance of being very very successful and yeah I thought he was absolutely outstanding last night yeah he, he breaks up play so well pinches things stop City from building any momentum with their passing it, he was absolutely brilliant and uh yeah, it's a, it's a great sight to, to see him try and lift the cup, even though the cup looks a little <laughs> bit bigger than, than him. <laughs> uh, I thought Havertz was terrific as well. He took his goal brilliantly, by the way. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting when Des Kelly said to him afterwards, uh, oh, you've repaid that, all that transfer fee with one goal. And he said, I don't effing care about that. We've just won the effing Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Picking up English well then. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty. Pretty good reaction. I think uh, it was obviously we could see. I mean, we were at Old Trafford watching um, Chelsea play at Manchester United, and you could see even in that performance, even though they didn't play particularly well, you could see how he understands how to look after the ball, not show too much of the ball I've to never the ball with his movement. He's going to settle into the game. He's yeah. a terrific player and always has been a terrific player. He was hampered by illness, um, obviously settling into a country. I've mentioned it on this podcast. In fact, we carried an interview on this podcast at the beginning of the season with him in which he told me when we were at a game uh, that um, he, he did find it difficult to settle in because of the physicality of the league is so much different to that in the Bundesliga. But boy, has he come good at the end of the season, Crook. And he's ominous for next season, isn't it? Because you, you think he will improve again. Jury's still out, I think, on Timo Werner as that number nine misses too many chances, doesn't necessarily Did he miss himself. Any he, was, he was meant, he was meant to be his best, best, best defender. <laughs> I was like, just give it to Werner. <laughs> well, but, but, you know, he is a nightmare and he does miss so many chances, but also he absolutely terrorised City with his pace. Yeah, and his movement. You know, he, he's clever with his movement until it comes to, you know, staying in line with the defender. And that's something they've got to work on um, over the course of the, of the summer window. But it was Kevin Hatchard, to be fair, talk sports European correspondent, told me a few weeks ago, look at Chelsea next year under Thomas Tuchel, that they will be genuine contenders. And we talked about what, how damaging this could be for Manchester City. What a massive confidence boost it is for Chelsea. It was still very much the start of their project under Tuchel. You would expect them to invest again. I think they could well be. Not, if not title favourites, then, then certainly right up there next season. Oh, well, I mean, he's made it pretty clear that his um, plan next year is to hunt Manchester City from day one. He said those words. So you would expect him to be true to that and, and try and at least, even he will pile the pressure on the team to try and um, ensure that they are the second best, if not the winners of the, uh, the, the, the Premier League next season. Of course, if, if Pep goes out and buys Harry Kane, then we might as well all give up now. But you know, <laughs> um, it certainly will be a, a great battle between the, the two of them. Um, I think Mason Mount's assist for the goal underscores why he's beloved by every manager he plays for, Trevor. I mean, it was an absolutely beautiful ball and another great performance by him. Mature. Yeah, and he, he was all around. You know, he's, he was clinical in possession. He was very hard working, out of possession. I think when you've got someone like Kante in your side who just goes around his business and gets things done, it's difficult that if you're not in possession to not try, at least try and work as hard as the top man. And uh, you could see that uh, across the midfield for Chelsea. But uh, Mount on the ball, he's obviously got that quality. Um, I don't like to compare, but out of the two, him and Foden, it's obviously that he superseded Foden with his performance and that extra two years in his age and his development and his maturation, I think that's shown last night. And yeah, it's a very, very good sight for England fans because, you know, that's the kind of standard you're going to be seeing in the Euros and he could definitely handle it. And he's shown that he proved that, he's proved it before. Um, but on the biggest of nights, you know, you've got to stay calm, keep your nerves um, and still put a great performance in, and especially when they were at possession, sixty percent of that game. I just thought he was he was there, he was with the troops, ready to work out of possession, and and then when he was in possession again, he was clinical. And on England, obviously, one of the big decisions that Gareth Southgate has to make between now and <clears> Tuesday <throat> is which of the right backs, and there are four if you include Carl Walker in the squad to leave out. Do we think that Reese James's performance last night in a Champions League final may 
influenced that decision? Has, has he cemented himself with that performance in England squad for the Euros? No, he's got to play. He's he was got to be all, in there. already in the England squad, and there was no doubt about it. I agree. I mean, I give my squad on was it breakfast or Jim White uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I give my squad, and Reese James is almost number one. You know, he's he's so adaptable. He's got everything. He's got strength. He's got he can caress the ball. He's got good end products. You know, if you look at all the other uh, right backs there, they've got kind of good assets, but they've not got everything. I think Reese James has got everything, and he's adaptable, so he can play that right central defender as well. I mean, he was playing for Wigan two years ago. In midfield. His development has been nothing short of incredible. Uh, and we're talking about Mason Mount and what he's achieved. I mean, you have to, you have to put, I think you have to put Reese James in the same kind of bracket. That's how impressive he's been. I thought he was absolutely terrific last night. And, and Raheem Sterling, who was another surprise selection, really, bearing in mind that the, the poor end of the season that he has had. I mean, he didn't, couldn't get a kick out of James, to be honest. I think James made one mistake where the ball went over his head towards the end and it went towards Aguero, I think. Apart from that, I think he was absolutely flawless for the, for the rest of the night. Mm. Um, and look, I think it's a difficult situation where you've got four right-backs and you've got to, you've got to cut it down. Uh, but I think that all that will depend on, and this is a different conversation because we're going to be straying into England territory here, it all will depend on Harry Maguire and how unfit he is, whether he's going to make it for match two or match three of the European Championships, rather than, you, you know, and that means, are they going to play a three or are they going to yeah, play a four? Exactly. Once he's decided that, then that will be where he chops the squad. So it will be fascinating to see what happens there. But we'll follow that because we're going to do a Euros podcast as well here on TalkSport on game day. Um, right, a quick word on um, uh, uh, on Tuchel himself because I think he actually needed the victory on Saturday night because look, they snuck into fourth. It, it wasn't a brilliant end to the season no. for Chelsea they lost the FA Cup final because they didn't perform in that game and the narrative that would have been woven if he'd failed in Porto would have been well what has he done yeah uh, but, but he's made them champions of Europe and that will forever etch him into Chelsea's history and and to do so having been a finalist last year I suppose is even more terrific yeah, first manager to lead two different teams into Champions League finals in successive season uh and obviously, losing that final, he would have learnt lessons from that. Did you see his Pep Guardiola impression on the balcony at the team hotel, by the way? He was basically um, being animated and, and de- demonstrative like Pep in the technical area. And he was doing it to his teammates and, uh, to, sorry, to his players. And then he realised he was caught on camera and just gave oh, a cheeky yeah. little wave to the camera. Oh, <laughs> so he was taking the mic. Wow. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. 
There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The burning heat of the playoffs on a scorching day at Wembley. Everybody loves the playoffs, don't they? And Sergi Canals with a reverse ball into the box. Mbwemo trying to beat the goalkeeper there. He did beat the goalkeeper there. Freddie Woodman brings him down. It's a penalty to Brentford. Eight and a half minutes on the clock in the championship playoff final. It's a penalty to Brentford. Ivan Tony steps up right-footed. He can't save this one. A 33-goal season for Ivan Tony. First time he's played the ball. He sends it back towards the edge of the air. Right-footed shot, 2-0. What a fantastic moment that is! Brilliant counter-attacking goal, finished off by Emiliano Marcondes. Brentford are well on their way to the Premier League, and they're almost getting a third with a wonderful effort from Tony, a volley from the edge of the area, which crashes the underside of the crossbar. Wow, what a game we got! <laughs> Next goal is vital, Sam. 2 nils a terrible score. It's all about... Like a tug of war with this, you know. It's you, better you, than nil-nil. It's better than nil-nil, <laughs> of course it is. Ball into the box. It's a dangerous ball in towards the edge of the six-yard box, and Ayu goes diving towards it and somehow heads it wide. His low one into the near post is met and turned by low and flashed across the face of goal out on the far side and away for a goal kick. And to the right uh, fullback position. That was a terrible challenge by Fulton over on the far side. Free kick and a red card. A red card, Swansea down to 10 men. And the Swans day is getting worse and worse by the moment. Then the full-time whistle blows. And all good things come to those who wait. Brentford are going to the Premier League. Brentford 2, Swansea 0. He pushes the championship playoff trophy into the sky. They dance and jig and scream and howl with delight. The firecrackers go off behind them. The pictures are taken. The photographers snap away at a scene of pure joy. Redford bounced back from defeat in last year's championship final to try up this time. It was a brilliant day for Brentford and in particular uh, Ivan Tony on Saturday live on TalkSport, the championship playoff final. Brentford getting promoted to the Premier League for the first time and into the top flight for the first time since 1947, 74 years. Congratulations to Matthew Benham, the owner, who's worked tirelessly, I know, uh, to uh, put the structure in place in that club and different structures, a very... Uh, innovative, sometimes controversial way of running a football club, but they've certainly done it their way. I don't think it's necessarily a way that many other clubs will follow, but certainly for them, because where they are in West London, they're surrounded by Fulham and Chelsea and everybody else. They, they, they can't really have the academy structure that other teams have. So they don't have reserve football. They have a B team, etc. So anyway, they've done very, very well um, over the course of the last uh, few years, slowly but surely getting to this point. And I think actually, Trevor, to come back from the final defeat last year against Fulham uh, after only having two weeks off for a pre-season mm. um, was, a, was a terrific achievement for Thomas Frank and showed how good a manager he is. It was, and he's shown the club as well in a good light for me. Um, and even though they've got this money ball scheme where it's, it, they don't, they've not got the academy like you just mentioned, 
Um, they do value their members and they uh, have got a lot of respect for Thomas Frank and they kept him on, which I think shows a bit of class anyway because they believe in the manager. To lose in a final doesn't mean you're failing. It just means that you didn't turn up in a game and, and you didn't get the right result. To stay, stay with him, I think that's where they um, got a lot of uh, pluses for me. And then to just back him. You know, we had a, a good enough team anyway. They lost Ollie Watkins and everyone thought could struggle. They lost Ben Rama. Uh, these are good players that they're mm. letting go and uh, who've, who've done superbly well in the Premier League. Um, but then to bring in Ivan Tony just shows that their system works um, and it shows that if you keep the the uh, core of the group together, they're good enough to go again. And it was a good performance. I thought they, they made easy work of uh, Swansea without being disrespectful and uh, were worthy winners. And yeah, it'll be a great addition for them to join the Premier League for the first time in their history. Well done. One of my favourite interviews this season, we had Ivan Tony on Darren Bent's boot room and I, I said to him going into this playoff campaign, Brentford have been there nine times before and never won wow. in the playoffs. And he said they never had an Ivan Tony before. And I thought, wow, that is confidence in my word, confidence and ability to deliver on the biggest stage. And it's even more interesting that when he signed for Brentford in the summer, I asked Adrian Durham, big Peterborough fan, he said, I'm not sure he's up to it in the championship. Um, he got that one wrong. Uh, but I, I agree with delighted you. in telling him, actually, when we were sitting in the pub on Saturday night with Adrian, you, you, you scrolled back through your text messages to find the message where, it said, where, where, where he said, I don't think you'll cut it in the championship. Uh, and had to show it and tell everybody else, didn't you? I Funny did. how you don't pick out your own failures like that, but you do. <laughs> no, I, I had to remind him of that. Um, but I agree with Trev. I think there'll be a tremendous addition, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. Ooh. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, here we go. I think they could do a Leeds. I think they could be the surprise package next season. I think they will recruit well, as they always have done under Matthew Benham. I think Tony will score goals in the Premier League. I think he's a clever enough player to adapt to the top flight. And I think they'll be the team of the three who come up who will not only be the most comfortable, but they will be challenging in and around the top half of the table. There we go. Certainly they will um, recruit well, won't they, Trevor? Well, they definitely will. You look at Ivan Tony, 33 goals uh, and 10 assists. I mean, it's bonkers numbers. I mean, and the best the, penalty taker in the world, according to Thomas Frank. Better than well, Ronaldo and Messi. Well, you've seen it. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I was watching it live yesterday and I was watching him walk up and I'm thinking, I haven't got a clue where he's picking it, putting it. You know, and that's after not just playing, having a career of playing with elite players, but also being a coach, watching, being a pundit. You start to get a kind of an idea where the penalty taker is going to put it and pff, Trevor, I'm clueless. And he, we watched, he's so we calm. Watched every so calm. single goal that he scored... Um, before the game. So before the game, we got all of the goals up on the screen and watched them sequentially, right? And there's a lot of penalties in there. Yeah. And then when he stood up to take a penalty, we haven't a clue which way he's going because <laughs> he, he does give absolutely nothing away and he's very straight and very slow and, and just almost like a step up rather than a run up. And he has gone both ways. He goes everywhere. Season. Yeah. I think he's possibly the only player that I've seen take a penalty that looks more confident than Edison, the Manchester City goalkeeper at penalties, because I was watching his on the Friday night over in Porto and I was thinking exactly the same thing. He was putting him in the left top corner, bottom right corner, straight, smashing a couple with a bit of fade on him. So yeah, no, Tony's got that in abundance. It's a great penalty taker, fantastic season for him. And listen, I seen his, I think it was an interview he did and he said, I'm a Premier League striker now. So people better be aware that he's, he's no joke. He's coming to score goals. That was something I mentioned, actually, as we were watching the game. It must be a really surreal experience, particularly in the championship playoff final, because you turn up at Wembley as a championship player. And if you win the game, 
you leave there knowing that you're in the Premier League, you're going to get the riches that come with that. It must almost be an out-of-body experience for some of those players. It must be. I mean, I've never done it that way. Um, when, I, when I played in the um, League Four, the old League Four, uh, fourth division playoff final uh, and won that with Blackpool and well, then went away for my summer, here. I thought I was coming back to be a third division player, but I got sold in that summer to Queen's Park Rangers and ended up a Premier League player. So, yeah, it, I mean, that was surreal in itself because you jump in leagues and all yeah. the rest of it. But That's a big the players that well, win that it? championship final, I mean, that is, it's something that you, if you win it, you feel you've earned the right. Whereas going from the fourth division and then all of a sudden landing next to Les Ferdinand and thinking, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> you didn't do too badly. I think you ended up playing for England in a World Cup quarterfinals. Uh, you know, I think yeah, I think it worked in your favour in the end. Um, I suppose we should do a quick word on Steve Cooper, the Swansea manager. Well, I think he's still the Swansea manager. Uh, although this is what he said when I spoke to him after the game. Just with the with the players at the moment, and um, that's that's the most important thing is being for for them on what is a you know a difficult day. I've had a great two years. I've really enjoyed it, and um, I, I look back on them two years with. A lot of fondness, and um, you know, certainly made me made me a better manager. And um, but like I said, you know, not, now is just the time to talk about the players in the dressing room that has been I've been really proud to work with over the last couple of years. It just sort of seems to sort of suggest that he, he might be moving on. Um, well, look, I, I think he'll be the Palace manager. I mean, I'm, I think I think that seems to be um, what is on the agenda they certainly I think like him whether or not that, that ends up happening I think conversation is starting I think the issue is at the moment there's a lot of plans in place for managers to move around but actually until one goes and the dominoes start to fall things don't really go into place I also think that managers who were going to go here and are not now going here sort of will contribute to a little bit of uncertainty for the next couple of weeks it's going to be a big summer in terms of changing of managers yeah it certainly is I guess the worry for, for, for Crystal Palace if you're a supporter of theirs is, is A that they haven't got a definitive plan in place despite the fact that it was the worst kept secret in the world that Roy Hodgson would be moving on and, and B Steve Cooper I think he's done a good job at Swansea but ultimately he didn't take them up. He's lost the championship playoff final. Yeah, but, but Crook, if you look at their squad over the course of the last <laughs> two or three years and how much talent they've lost and what they've brought in, I mean, a, he's done very well to get them even into that position, I think. Yeah, I, I just wondered, again, it's about perception, isn't it? it is this the, the, the change of direction that Palace supporters want to go down or would they prefer a more established Premier League manager a Sean Dyche who was in the running and Eddie Howe who we understand isn't particularly keen on the job or do they take a punt on Steve Cooper and I guess hope that he's cut from the same cloth as Graham Potter well, well I think we may well find out in the not too distant future they, I, I don't think they can wait too long Crystal Palace before making a decision on that look gentlemen it's been great to reflect on the, the weekend's football it really was a great night's football on uh, Saturday night I really enjoyed it uh, thank you uh, for your company Crook I know that uh, you were desperate for Manchester City to win because you had a bet on them and if, if, if anything makes me feel better about the fact that Chelsea won it's the fact that they, they cost you £10 so that, that makes me very happy um, Trevor uh, nice to see that you wore your prisoner's uniform there um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, look, we'll see you over the course of the uh, of the summer because you're going to help us with the Euros, I'm sure, as well. We'll be back with a Euros preview before the tournament starts and then we'll have podcasts throughout the course 
of that uh, tournament as well. So we look forward to that. Keep downloading the uh, Game Day podcast, rate and review it and tell all your friends about us. We're from TalkSport. It's the Game Day podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.